You are listening to the Glow CRE podcast with your hosts, Pamela Van Oss and Farah Jackson. Glow CRE stands for Gaining Leaders, Originators, and Women in Commercial Real Estate. And we're bringing you an honest and inspiring look into working as a woman in this industry. Glow CRE is sponsored by Greystone, which is a leading commercial real estate finance company serving the multifamily sector with a range of debt and structured finance solutions. Let's get right into today's episode. Today, we are joined by leadership author and speaker, Selena Rosvani. Selena wrote the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Quick Confidence, Be Authentic, Boost Connections, and Make Bold Bets on Yourself, which gives bite-sized, actionable tips on boosting confidence. Selena is also an internationally known leadership speaker, TEDxer, and an award-winning journalist, and she's even TikTok famous with over a quarter of million followers. As a world-renowned leadership trainer and coach, Selena has been featured on the Today Show, LA Times, Wall Street Journal, MSNBC, and was named a Fast Company Top Content Creator in 2021. Selena, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Farah and Pamela. It's so great to be with you. So we wanted to have you here to talk through real life situations, you know, rising above, finding confidence in our careers. And your book really addresses a lot of that head on. So why don't we start there? What was the inspiration for the book, Quick Confidence? Well, you know what, Farah, I felt for a long time in my career like that good but second or third choice candidate. And it wasn't so much my competence, my skills or experience, as it was my confidence. And so when I started working on my confidence and really giving this some concerted effort, it changed my life. And I want to help other people do that. Most of us don't have a lifetime to grow our confidence and to feel um, bold and empowered. So in very bite-sized, doable actions, I share three ways that we can work on confidence in my book, through our mindsets, through our body language, and then, of course, through our interactions with others. So why don't you tell our listeners, what does making a bold bet on yourself mean? It's really about putting in front of you what you want and believing you have just as good a chance as anyone else. It's about asking, why not me? And and I'll never forget a mentor, a very teachable moment in my own life. Uh, she was she was driving next to me, actually, and she said, Selena, tell me who some of the preeminent experts are in your field. And I thought about it and I started to rattle off a few names of people I respect, look up to. And she turned to me and she looked me dead in the eye and she said, why not you? And and so isn't it interesting that often, you know, we think they are ready they are the expert. Their experience puts them in the perfect position for that opportunity. We are still a work in progress, though, right? So I think yeah. making these bold bets on ourselves, it's about respecting our resumes. It's about giving our experience meaning and trusting if things go sideways, we have a writing reflex. We'll figure it out. I love that. Great advice. You know, in your book, you also talk about rebalancing power dynamics. So can you kind of tell the listeners a little bit what this means and how to 
actually apply that in the real world and into their current roles and positions? Yeah, this is a big one and um, was a big one for me personally. I grew up in a, a home with, a, you know, the kind of vibe children should be seen and not heard. So dealing with authority figures, dealing with intimidation, um, feeling less than uncomfortable speaking up around bigwigs was uh, uh, has really been a lifelong challenge in some ways. And I know I'm not alone in that. But these power dynamics, they come up most when we feel hyper aware of their status, position, pedigree, you know, whatever it may be. And we often feel less than. Now, maybe that other person is doing something to make you feel lesser. Maybe it's actually a conversation between you and you. You know, maybe it's self-dialogue that might be making you feel lesser. In either case, one of the things I recommend people do is approach it peer to peer. Even if you are talking to, got a meeting with, you know, the Queen of Sheba, right? (laughs) And you're feeling all the feelings of, oh, they're such a big deal. They're so extra. Speak to them in a respectful manner without shrinking yourself. You do not need to make yourself small to extend respect to somebody, you know? So one of the other recommendations I make is to really purposely interact with the person, not the power. So not Jenny, the chief marketing officer of this big deal Fortune 50 company, but Jenny, you know, who's probably um, a friend to someone, maybe a mom, a sister, right? A real live human and focus on connecting with with that person, right? Not just getting lost in the, the title and the name. And that'll help a lot with those uh, those self-dialogues that you talked about, where, you know, you, you talk yourself out of so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking of someone as that peer rebalances that dynamic in your own head, which is so important. I love that. Yeah, and thinking of them as the person. That's the key there. And not feeling intimidated. Going in, why not me? They're just a person. They're Jenny. They're a mom. They're a soccer mom. You know, they're struggling as, as I am at home. So that that's key advice. I mean, that's 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 awesome. And if you're really shaking in your boots about the person, one other Mm -hmm. fun thing you can do is just use a little comic visualization. You know, maybe see that person who appears to you very buttoned up and polished and ultra self-reliant doing ballet in a Batman costume, right? Like have a little fun or laying on their couch eating chips, you know, having that visual can just give you a little levity, you know, loosen your grip on the seriousness. So talking about loosening grips on seriousness, one of the tips you give in your book, which is one of my favorites because I do not have a poker face. My <laughs> face is extremely expressive. Every thought comes right across. Is the importance of having a resting neutral face. Um, not to be confused with that other resting face <laughs> that people might be thinking about. But why don't you tell our listeners what resting neutral face is and how it can be useful in their daily, you know, going through their careers? Sure. I'm so glad it resonated with you. It's still something I practice. And and so what resting neutral face is, is it's a recognition that we as women, 
we get a lot of cues and conditioning to accommodate other people, you know, to make things comfortable and copacetic and easy, right? And to not be difficult. And sometimes when we're doing certain leadership behaviors, like asking for what we want, um, you know, lobbying for uh, an important benefit to be added, right? Um, speaking up about an issue that concerns us, we're doing the opposite of making it easy. You know, we're, we're saying, hold on, I have an issue with this. And I think it's so important in those moments that we not kind of play to that urge to, to be accommodating. So if a boss were to say to you, hey, um, I'm sorry, but you just got the crummiest raise in the history of the world and you've had an outstanding year, you might be tempted to go, okay, to kind of say something that accepts that number, okay? Because a lot of us, again, have gotten those cues. Don't make it weird, <laughs> you know? Keep the Smile and nod. Smile and nod, exactly. Keep the rapport. And and so this can be a little tricky for some of us, especially people pleasers, to say, you know what? No, I'm actually going to create a little bit of restraint, a little neutrality. And so this doesn't have to look severe or scary. I'm a, I'm a smiley person and I personally like it that way. But wow, is it powerful sometimes? to just sit in a pocket of silence with a neutral face and let them wonder what you're thinking or feeling. Maybe you just got the news of that crummy raise. You're not rushing in to go, okay, or uh, I'll try again next year. You're sitting in that quiet, you're contemplating, and often it will make the other person rush in to fill in the blank, to say something like, how are you feeling about that? Or it seems like maybe you're disappointed in what I just shared. Let them ask you a follow-up question. It's okay to create a bit of mystique and to let somebody follow up with you. So lots of power in doing this because what it stops us from doing is agreeing to something we'll later regret or okaying something that we're not actually okay with. That's one of the ones I really enjoyed. I, I see so much power in just a moment of silence, really. And it wasn't something I ever thought of until I got that benefit from your book. So thank you. Oh, I'm thrilled. I can't wait to learn how you use it, too. <laughs> so. so in talking about confidence, boosting connections and believing in yourself, we have found on the podcast that many women struggle with the confidence to take on new opportunities. Um, while I'm male counterparts, I mean, you mentioned it, they'll take that opportunity even if they're not 100% prepared. We feel we have to be 110% prepared before we'll take that new job or even apply for it in many cases. So what advice would you give to women looking to just boost their confidence? Yeah, that is so true, isn't it? Um, you know, I think one of the most important things is that we become the world's foremost expert on our value and that we're conversant about that value, right? Because nobody else is going to be able to talk us up the way we can, um, you know, command uh, attention or engagement. 
talking about our impact. So I think this is a really important thing we can do. And so if you are going for a new opportunity or you're contemplating one, I recommend kind of thinking more broadly about your value and your career and even storyboarding your career. So instead of maybe going up for a really cool opportunity and feeling the need to justify your existence, your readiness for the opportunity, instead kind of create a larger story arc, you know, to your career and weave in what experiences you have, highlights from your career and how this opportunity represents a natural next step. Right. I often say to people, make it make sense. You know, whatever it is you're pitching, Um, we don't want to just leave it to other people to use their imagination and connect the dots. Right. So make it make sense by storyboarding your career, thinking broadly, showing them how you're going to apply those amazing skills you've gathered along the way in this new capacity. And what I like about doing that and storyboarding is it builds your confidence. You know, it reminds you of the value you bring to the table rather than maybe just thinking about this one singular career moment, right? You're really looking back. And it also makes you more polished speaking about your candidacy, what you bring to the table. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, Storyboard your career we all love a story rather than just information and it makes a difference. Yeah. Really highlighting your strengths, selling yourself. Yeah. Right. You need to assess what's most meaningful maybe around that opportunity. Um, But this is a, place to really fluff your own pillows. You know, if there are big marquee (laughs) clients you work with, you, this is the time to, to put that up, you know, in bright lights in what you're describing Um, or a certain deal amount or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. No one can do that as well as you can. I think in general, women have challenges when it comes to self-promoting, you know, really selling ourselves. And we've talked about that's one of the reasons we feel a lot of women have challenges getting into sales, you know, really talking about what you do, what you offer. But I, you know, I've never thought about it as telling a story. And that's something that comes very natural to most women. It's part of our compassionate Mm -hmm. nature and, and how we share things in our lives. So I love that advice. And that's that's something that I'm adding to my list of things that I want to work on. We know that stories are something like 10 times more memorable than kind of rote information. And and don't we all want that? We want to be memorable. We want to be compelling in somebody's eyes. And so use it. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, we've talked about, you know, looking at yourself. Why not me? Speaking up. What are some other things you notice that women don't do and that they should do? And as they are developing into managers and leaders? Well, I think women are incredible managers and leaders and bring so much to um, that role, so much that's important. I, I am still a huge advocate of women negotiating more often. And by the way, I wanna take the side of women by saying, for people who are apprehensive about doing this, it's for good reason. We know 
from decades now of studies, women do experience some blowback that men do not when they ask assertively for something, um, be that money or a resource or for their organization to be more inclusive. You know, there are uh, some ways that women experience negative perceptions. So I think women who who may not ask know what they're doing. And, and I can sympathize with that fact, right? Even so, if you think about it, just from a financial perspective and negotiating things like salary, women outlive men. You know, we still have a pretty robust divorce rate in the U.S., right? Women are more likely to have uninterrupted service at work, which affects our 401k savings and, of course, our earnings. Mm-hmm. You know, so for so many reasons, negotiating our pay as just one example is so important and can have a, a lifelong effect, right? Because often, um, you know, we are moving up and up in our careers, but building off whatever the last salary was. You know, well, I, for, for so long, we weren't supposed to talk about it. And it's it's funny. I was having this conversation with my best friend just yesterday and they were in a meeting and one of her coworkers said, did you know, Dave got five weeks of vacation and these floating holidays and he just started. You know, I started two years ago and I only get X. And, you know, she's telling me this. I said, did you ask her if she asked? I mean, when Dave started, my guess is he said as a condition of him coming on board, he asked for five weeks. Did she ask? And she's like, oh, people do that. And I'm like, wait, how old are we? And you're talking to someone in our age group that doesn't know. Yes, she she took this job two years ago. She didn't negotiate that time off. She didn't negotiate that starting salary. But it wasn't something that we talked about. So she didn't know that that it was done or that it was acceptable. And that's something I'm hoping I'm hoping our listeners are hearing and taking back and sharing with others that, yes, you should be doing this. Our male counterparts are doing this. And this is not uncommon for us to hear this, that women are not negotiating and not asking. So this is a huge for us to highlight. And. And do your homework, figure out what the value of that role is. Don't just start from to what you just said, your starting point from your last role. Maybe this role is a huge increase. Do your homework. Ask for what ask for what you deserve. Yeah. Resources are out there. And and bring a little healthy skepticism to when someone, be it an employer or or somebody else, um, you know, coming to you with an opportunity has very limited kind of um, terms, right? Be a little skeptical of that. I just talked with a friend actually the other day who was offered a really exciting opportunity with a um, a wonderful kind of startup organization, an executive opportunity that came with no benefits because they're just not there yet. No matter how written in cement something feels and chiseled in marble, bring some skepticism to um, how set in stone it actually is. Most things are negotiable. They just may have brought it to you and presented it to you in one way, but it's more than okay to ask the question. Um, For example, if someone says, hey, can you serve on this committee? You might say, "Uh, I'm interested in the committee, but I'd actually 
be more interested if if I was able to take a leadership role and co-run the committee, not just be a member. Be willing to make counter proposals and at least investigate. Is there an opportunity to make this optimal? And don't be so quick to settle for suboptimal. All great tips for negotiation. Absolutely. Now, when dealing with intimidation, what are some tips we can give our listeners to to kind of counteract that and not feel small in a situation where they're clearly feeling intimidated at that time during that conversation? Yeah, well, we have all been there and felt that intimidation. There's a great exercise I really like called Just Like Me. And it's really about repeating to yourself how this person who seems so different than you, so this or so that, um, is actually like you and has some commonality and some humanity. And, And it could be as simple as saying, this person has wanted to make a really great first impression, just like me. This person has needed to summon courage, just like me. You know, this person has had moments of feeling hopeless or feeling less than, just like me. Sometimes reminding ourselves of those simple things or even picturing them doing something very ordinary, you know, like multitasking while they fix their breakfast or standing in front of their closet thinking, what on earth am I going to wear today? Or just wanting to hit snooze, you know, on their alarm is enough to go, wait a minute, they are a flesh and blood human. And, And I need to see them a little more in that light than on this pedestal. The yep. other thing I think is important, you know, with intimidation, we we talked a little bit about approaching others peer to peer. But, you know, be careful about putting people too much on a pedestal, being too deferential. There's an old saying, if you put somebody up on a pedestal, don't be surprised if they start to look down on you. You know, so when we say things like, oh, it was nothing or I'm so sorry to take up your time today. Sometimes it becomes a little too believable that it really was nothing, you know, or that we are a bother when we're not a bother, right? We're we're there to work and we're trying to collaborate to get the job done, you know? So even the most intimidating type, you know, and maybe especially with an intimidating type, it's really important to affirm yourself. I 400% belong here. Yep. And I deserve to have your time (laughs) this right right. now to discuss this issue. That's right. Your confidence that you're there for a reason and they should listen, you know, see what you have to say and don't feel bad that you're bothering them. And when there's a real reason to thank somebody or on the flip side, apologize, do it. But it's not necessary in the course of business, even with the biggest big wig. I mean, at some point, yeah. someone looked at us and said, I think you can do more than what you're doing today. They gave us some confidence. Um, 
they showed us we had potential, maybe even potential we didn't initially see. So it's really incredible what can happen when you extend those votes of confidence to other people. Might seem small to you in a gesture, but it's huge to them. Yes, it is. So you've given us tons of great examples about setting, you know, good examples for the next generation, even through the tips we got today and through rising above negativity in general and in the workplace. Is there any other advice you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I think one thing that would make the conversation richer, especially between women, is to make a point to be real. You know, I think it's great that we celebrate women at the top of their game. And I certainly perpetuated that, too, interviewing lots of women at the top. But I think sometimes we right, even articles, interviews, sometimes leave out the messy, hard, painful lessons um, along the way. And so as a woman, if you can tell other women that maybe you face self-doubt or extreme discomfort doing something when you were pushing your comfort zone or you had a period where you really loved your job but you hated your work-life fit it really means something to women it really means something when they hear about the trip wires and the don't do's and the ahas so uh, really it's a it's a encouragement for all of us to do that more, not just the best practices, but here's a struggle. Here's a surprise I didn't see coming. It has been such a pleasure speaking with you, Tate, Selena. And as we finish our episode, this is our favorite segment of, of, of our episode, is where we ask our speaker, our, our guests, do you have a favorite quote or mantra? Now, we've talked many mantras you've kind of weaved in through here, but what's your favorite quote or mantra that guides your life? Yeah, I would say three words, do it scared, you know? Do it scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's great. I mean, do it scared. I mean, we've heard a lot of mantras and quotes, but that's the first we've heard of that one. So love it. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's important, right? Because sometimes we can get in this mindset that like, oh, if I make it to that level one day, I'm somehow going to, you know, be above self-doubt or maybe rejection or face plants. And that's not true. You know, a well-lived life isn't bubble wrapping ourselves from those things and from those um, difficult moments. It's actually proof we're stretching what we can do and pushing our edge. So you don't have to be ready. Do it scared. Awesome. It reminds great me advice. of another great quote we got from one of our um, our guests, which is failure is rarely fatal. And so reminder, do it scared because failure is rarely fatal. Yes, yes. That's Without right. failure, you can't have success. I mean, that's, you know, just <laughs> keeps going. I love it. Well, Selena, thank you again for joining us. We have really enjoyed this episode and I hope our listeners do as well. Well, thank you both so much and for all you do to elevate women. Thank you. Keep glowing, ladies. Mm-hmm.